Hello and welcome to David's Politics Show. The past few weeks have seen the emergence of something like the beginnings of a new security architecture in the Indo-Pacific, one that would complement, not replace, the so-called hub-and-spoke model in existence since the end of the Second World War and the onset of the Cold War. First came the announcement of the new trilateral security arrangement among the US, the UK and Australia, now already known in shorthand as AUKUS. If in 2016 Australia placed an order for 12 diesel-powered subs of the Barracuda class with France's naval group, well, as the saying goes, that was then, this is now. To be fair, the contract hadn't exactly gone well. It was massively over budget and there had been repeated delays. But in any case, the prevailing geopolitical winds had changed in the span of just half a decade, enough to warrant a rethink as to the merits of nuclear-powered boats. France has predictably gone into conniptions about the whole affair blindsided by what Foreign Minister Le Drian has somewhat hysterically termed a stab in the back, and claiming that it resembled the kinds of unilateral, unpredictable decisions taken by Trump, the Macron government even went to the utterly pathetic lengths of withdrawing its ambassador to Washington. Naturally, he came limping back within a week. The fact is, France's pride has been hurt. That is what hurt so much, more than the hit to the French government's coffers. It was shunted aside, as great powers are not, because they cannot be. Ouch. Nonetheless, Le Drian's remark about the supposed similarity with Trump's modus operandi betrays the superficiality of much of official Europe's understanding of the Trump phenomenon. Christoph Heusken, Merkel's longtime foreign policy advisor, expressed much the same lament, complaining bitterly that a NATO partner had been insulted, as if Germany's own laughable defense expenditures weren't themselves a permanent insult to the intelligence of every single other NATO, quote, partner. The point is that the characteristic feature of Trump's governing style, if such a thing could be said to have existed, was not the privileging of American interests over those of all other states, be they friend or foe. That is par for the course in any administration, and indeed, almost always, in all other states too. Just to pick one historical example among countless possible ones, when Eisenhower in 56 put an abrupt end to Britain and France's escapades in Suez, was it acting, quote, unilaterally? without first, quote, consulting its allies? No. The defining feature of the Trumpian Weltanschauung was not, as is often claimed, the veneration of the principle that America comes first. It was the deliberate distortion and corrosion of what America in its grandest sense is and stands for, a republic of laws, however flawed. In any event, France will soon get over its fit of pique. It will have to. Much ink has already been spilled, I'm tempted to say wasted, on Europe's consequent need to develop its own so-called strategic autonomy, as evidenced also not long ago by its being left high and dry in Afghanistan following Biden's pullout. Yet such pronouncements, whether coming from Paris or Berlin, cannot but provoke a chuckle or two. Strategic according to whom? And whose autonomy exactly? Is Paris now all of a sudden prepared to share its nuclear deterrent, its force de frappe, with Berlin, let alone Rome or Madrid? Didn't think so. How about his permanent seat on the UN Security Council? To even pose the question is to underline its implausibility. In any case, Berlin has been missing in action, as far as anything vaguely resembling strategic planning is concerned, for the past 30 years. 
and this week's election results are unlikely to change that. At a time when the August arrangement has been brought into being precisely because of China's pushiness and growing belligerence, Berlin is still pretending not to know what's going on in Xinjiang. Hauptsache one can keep exports chugging along. And on the EU's eastern borders? Well, the less said the better. With gas prices surging because Russia has refrained from topping up deliveries, pure coincidence I'm sure, not a peep can be heard from the halls of German power, where officials are no doubt busy preparing the next speech intoning EU values and whatnot. As for Australia, the point is that, as Sam Rogovin, director of the International Security Program at the Lowy Institute and a previous guest on this podcast, has pointed out in a piece in the New York Times, the AUKUS deal binds Canberra much more closely to the US, placing it at the center of the growing rivalry with China. That is a long-term bet, one which promises some advantages, but is undoubtedly fraught with risk too. Nuclear technology is not shared out of an abundance of generosity. There will be quid pro quos either now or, at the very latest, a decade hence, when the subs will likely be delivered and deployed. The question is what the quid will amount to. This week has also seen the first in-person meeting of the Quad. Announcements about vaccine production and STEM subject fellowships aside, everybody who hasn't been living under a rock for the past couple of years knows what's going on here. And China has only itself to blame. India's eagerness to participate in such a grouping, after all, was not a given. Cold and distant during the Cold War, ironically, it was almost exactly 50 years ago that Indira Gandhi's government signed the Treaty of Peace, Friendship and Cooperation with the Soviet Union, India has always prided itself on its non-alignment policy. The Quad is no treaty organization, to be sure, but Narendra Modi wouldn't have been at the White House together with Morrison and Suga if Beijing had managed to scare the living daylights out of Delhi with its constant provocations on the borders and its blatant attempts to turn Sri Lanka into an offshore protectorate. Indeed, the very fact that the Quad meeting went ahead as planned, so soon after the AUKUS announcement, is itself telling. India and Japan have clearly looked on with a benevolent eye, cognizant of the fact that they have nothing to fear from Australia, and a few stealthy long-range subs will irritate the PLA Navy's planners in all the right ways. AUKUS, the Quad, Evergrande, internal contradictions, to borrow Beijing's preferred faux Marxist parlance, are meeting external resistance. She would have done better to heed Deng's warning not to flex China's muscles too soon, but rather to bide his time. He has chosen not to, driven by nationalist impatience and fears of waning legitimacy at home. The cat is out of the bag now. The last two decades have been good for China. The next two are likely to throw up altogether thornier challenges. Thornier challenges.